Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Sunday Take for February 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Blois Olson. It was another big week from Washington, D.C., and the idea of President Biden taking a few days to discuss shooting down objects that we had not seen before or known about before from the sky to the legislature in the House passing safe and sick leave without really taking strong input or consideration for the impact on small businesses. There's plenty more to go tomorrow in the House. They will take up three or four more bills and move them along. And even though the pace has slowed a little, legislators are still feeling like they are being highly productive and that the issues are so numerous that really is their time. We're about two weeks away from the uh, next budget forecast, which 20 days out will determine budget targets and rebate checks and tax policy and Social Security. And so there's one issue, though, that I noticed this week isn't getting much legislative attention, at least not from other media or from the PR departments of the House, the Senate, the Republicans, or the Democrats, and that is juvenile violence, juvenile crime, school safety. At different times, that's been a big priority, and I want to focus this Sunday take on that. But first, a message from Minnesota Corn. You know, look, at its core, sustainability is about ensuring prosperity for future generations. That's why Minnesota Corn has allocated 30% of its resources and projects to address environmental and sustainability issues. They help farmers with using inputs more effectively, optimize conservation practices, and reduce fertilizer runoff. You know, it's not only at the farm that Minnesota Corn is investing in these topics. They're working with corn-based products to look at new kinds of plastics. In fact, just last week, Lacryl Technologies uh, proved that corn-based polymers can be used differently and more effectively, and most importantly, more sustainably. That's right. The University of Minnesota's Center for Sustainable Polymers, funded by Minnesota Corn, was a key part of helping Lacryl reach 90% threshold so that they can see the conversion of corn to a plastic is not just good for the environment, but it creates a new market 
for corn products. In fact, the acrylic acid market is a $10 billion market, and there's over 6.5 million metric tons produced. And if we can make that more sustainable, then we're doing the job. Again, sustainability needs to be about the future. And Minnesota Corn is focused on sustainability, the environment for the future. When we come back, we're going to talk to Representative Jeff Whitty. He's a first-term legislator. He's a former police officer, and he has some thoughts on youth violence and school resource officers. I'm Blois Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. My first guest this week is Representative Jeff Whitty. He's a freshman, new first-termer from the Lakeville area. He's been on Fresh 15. We've talked before. He's also a retired uh, police officer. And on the topic this week of school safety, youth violence, guns, uh, I think he'll bring a a perspective that isn't mired in years and years at the legislature. So Representative Whitty, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Blois. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, You said you saw what I wrote earlier this week, and it just strikes me that we keep seeing these headlines, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's youth violence in our communities. Um, Now that you're an elected official, how do you reflect on these issues and the discussions at the legislature, whether it's gun control or other topics? So when I decided to run, I thought this was an important time for my voice. This wasn't on my bucket list. It wasn't about me. Uh, um, It was about serving my community. And uh, violence, crime, 
this was a time to have a seat at the table and talk from a law enforcement standpoint and bring some, hopefully some wisdom, experience um, to this, this topic. My background is I'm a retired police officer, 27 years. For four of those years, I was a school resource officer at Burnsville High School. And that was the most rewarding job I had. And the reason it was rewarding is just how I've, I've the first seven weeks up at the Capitol, I valued the relationships. And relationships are key. Um, not everyone can be a good school resource officer. And I'm not even saying I was a good school resource officer, but I put value in relationships. And when I talk about that, it's, it's the students. The students have a stake in this. Um, the teachers have a stake in this, administration. And so when I got up to the school, I realized I'm in their home. I'm a guest, but I also took it very personal and I made sure that nothing would happen. And at the time I was at Burnsville, Columbine happened and we're in a new realm. And how do we, how do we look at this? And we did lockdown drills, but I've already established a relationship with the principal. Uh, my lunch group was um, the assistant principal for attendance, the one for discipline, but I also had the school nurse and the two school psychologists and a school probation officer that worked there. And we always sat around and talked and we would look at ways um, to help each other and share information. And then also the teachers felt like they could come to me because they know me and they bring information and the students would do that. And so now your reach is a lot further and um, you want to make sure that nothing would happen in that school. So we started doing school lockdowns and I already had that relationship and they trusted me on what we did. Um, that got me promoted into sergeant. And when I got to sergeant, I supervised that, but we lost data. And D.A.R.E. was a key part because it was either taught in fifth or sixth grade. And most people don't, re they don't remember much about uh, what was taught in D.A.R.E., but they always remember their D.A.R.E. officer. And so in Burnsville, when we lost D.A.R.E., I came up with an idea called Blue in the School. And it's called Building, Learning, Understanding, and Educating. Um, and the officers would be in their patrol area. It costs zero dollars. But basically, you'd be in a patrol area. And you would get to know that school and you would stop out and I could stop out the monitor, the school zones, the traffic, um, traffic was uh, flowing right. We didn't have people speeding around the school zones. I'd greet the kids coming off the school buses. I'd serve them lunch. I'd be all time quarterback out on uh, recess. But I'd also get to know all the teachers and be resources where I could talk at the kindergarten level to students all the way up to sixth grade. And it was so important. And the other part with it was you always had a squad car parked outside. So they always saw that there was some type of police officer there and we're in uniform. And that's the other key piece with this voice is being in uniform. They feel more connected and they can talk to you instead of being this figure that you're, you're, you can't go up and talk to. And I think it builds that relationship. That blue in the school program is so important that if there was an incident that happened, I already had a relationship with the principals. I already had a relationship with the teachers and it didn't become a power struggle and we can avoid things ahead of time. We could be the resource, but also when you're driving around the community and now I'm responding to a, a student's house 
And I realized the dynamics there. I can bring all these resources because I have these relationships to the table and we can work as a team. And that's the biggest thing with all of it is um, police officers wear many hats, but we also know a lot of different people. And that relationship key is um, important in bringing everyone together. You know, uh, Representative, I want to dig in just briefly here on kind of what you talked about, which I was talking to somebody else about yesterday, which was the idea that um, a police officer that gets to be in a school and a school that gets to have the police officer there isn't about the institutional structure or anything like that. It is about those relationships. And I, I joke, whether you're a hall monitor or a police officer in the school, you pick up on personalities and kids and, and you know, maybe one's a little bit of a smart ass once in a while, right? But, but you can give it to them back and it builds that relationship. Or there's someone who's got an edge and you can soften that edge a little. And that's, to me, one of the things that teachers bring hall monitors bring and police officers bring. I can imagine being a school resource officer. Well, it's not what you thought you'd be when you became a, a police officer was one of the, one of the places where you're like, wow, I get to be a human being and I'm not just pulling over people worried about speeding or DWIs or something like that. You're hundred percent correct with that because it was probably the most rewarding position I had. And I got promoted out of it. And the you can tell the temperature being in the school. Yep. Uh, the teachers can tell you things going on. P, uh, students come to you, you um, uh, and they, they just want to give you the tip. And that happens so much that you could diffuse situations. And they started to trust you. If I ended up having a, uh, an issue with a student, they would leave my office and they'd be like, oh, that, that dang cop did that. But I'd see them in the hallway, and I would I'd call them by their name. Hey, boys, hope yeah. you're having a good day. And they would throw them off, and they'd be like, what the heck? He just busted me, but now he's asking me to have a good day? Because it was nothing personal, and I, they wanted to know that I was there for them. And we had a lot of big incidents at Burnsville that were brought to me by teachers, by staff, by students. Because guess what? That was their home. That's yeah. where they wanted to feel safe. And for me, um, the biggest part for me is about three weeks ago, boys, I had to go in, uh, my back was acting up and I was in extreme pain. And I go into the hospital and I'm in the, the, the room yep. and, the doc, and the doctor walks in and he says, Officer Witty, I see you're in a lot of pain. Don't worry. We'll take good care of you tonight. He was one of my former students from the high school. Um, and now you're looking at where they're at and they had that relationship and he still remembered it. And he was, he wasn't a, a kid that was ever in trouble. Yep. He was a kid that just appreciated me being there. We started going through stories. He is now the director of EMS, which is a big role. And so that's the power. It's the relationship, the things that you bring through it. I will really be old when the kids from the elementary schools start saying, Sergeant Witty, how are you doing? But um, at that point, that is the key part in this whole takeaway. And, boys, getting back, the incident in Harding, Yeah. You know, first of all, I feel bad for the family, the students, everyone going through that. Um, 
I think some bad decisions were made early on after George Floyd. Um, and they were more reactionary and not well thought out. But, you know, I've been working on this since the day I was sworn in because I have a passion. I want to see our uh, schools safe because I think that would help our students um, learn better. They'll make our teachers be better teachers because then they don't have to worry and administrators. And so I toured our Lakeville district and we have that 3D response and our community made an investment in that. And I looked at that system and it's, it has a direct connection right to the police department, but there's other good programs. You got check-ins at the door and there's things that we can implement. And so, like I said, I've been thinking about this from day one. I think it's a critical issue um, that we want to make sure that we get it right. And we just don't throw money and bad ideas at it. Um, and I, you know, up at the Capitol right now, we're going through a lot of stuff. Yep. And I would like to see us take some time, craft the best policy to keep our, our, our uh, students safe, uh, schools safe, teachers and all that. But, you know, it, it is part technology and it's a part having that resource officer there that cares and having that relationship. My guest is Representative Jeff Witte. He's a first-term member of the Minnesota House from the Lakeville area. He's also a retired police officer in Burnsville. Um, Jeff Witte, as we start to wrap this up, um, what's been your biggest opportunity or what do you see in your role as a legislator on how to either amplify or bring that um, bring that experience to work with your colleagues across the aisle? Because I think oftentimes, you know, we're going to talk to Dave Pinto next. He's a prosecutor, right? You two could probably sit down and craft some pretty good uh, language. What's your experience in the, you know, first six weeks of the legislature and in trying to address and have these discussions? Same way I did it at the school, same way I did it as a police officer, uh, building relationships. Um, uh, Building relationships uh, with my colleagues on the DFL, but I'm also building relationships as a freshman with my own caucus. And I think that's the important piece. And I've had a conversation with Dave. Dave gave me some great advice. And uh, we've had people reach across and ask for my opinion from a law enforcement standpoint. I think that's how you make great legislation when you're open to amendments, you're open to that discussion, and we come up with a bill that is really solid and strong. And and I I sincerely hope um, the DFL will work with us on this so that we can actually get this done for our kids, um, for our schools, um, because I think that would make a huge difference. And, you know, Lakeville, with this program, they always say they're probably one of the safest school districts in the country. Well, let's make Minnesota one of the safest states in the country and enact some legislation that will provide some funding and the tools to make all our schools out, out in rural areas, in the um, suburbs, the metropolitan area, that it works for all of them. And like I said, boys, I, I believe it all begins with relationships and then you build out from there. One of the other topics is obviously gun control, but then access to guns from by kids um, uh and this idea that, you know, there's red flag laws and there's all those other things, but there's just this idea of like, how do we, 
what, how do we deal with the kids who are on the wrong path? How do we, you know, what do we do to make sure that there is an intervention that works more than it doesn't to get the kid back on the right path or get them out of a situation where violence, uh, you know, or violent behavior is, is part of it. Do you have any, you know, recommendations of things that we need? Is it more facilities? Is it more harsher penalties? Is it a diversion? Is it all of the above? What is it that could move things quickly back to that? Because a lot of times this is youth on youth and adults are just bystanders and observers until when it's too late. I I think it's all of the above, but it all starts at home. And if we strengthen our homes and we got current laws that protect us on storage, we have laws that if you possess a gun, there's a felony to it. Holding them to that that standard or that um, sentence is very important. But then also looking at ways and how we rehabilitate them and help them and put them in good situations. This pandemic was rough on our, our uh, young youth, and we probably see a lot of more mental health. And if it, they're not getting it at home, we got a lot of resources. Like I said, you got the police, you got the schools, you got the families. If we all work together, I think we can help each other. And I think we'll come up with some good solutions. We've already seen some of them come up, up at the Capitol. And so my hope is that we work together. We bring the right people to the table um, and come up with the, the best solutions for Minnesotans. Representative Jeff Whitty, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. I know we'll talk more down the line. I appreciate it. You have a great day and great weekend. Thank you. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The final conversation this Sunday morning is with Representative Dave Pinto. We've known each other a long time. He's a prosecutor. He's a legislator from St. Paul. I think he's in his sixth or seventh term. Representative Pinto, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm in my fifth term and so glad to be with you. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Maybe it's like <laughs> dog years. You're starting to feel like you've been there 20 years. No, I'm I, I, I am. <laughs> I am uh, sometimes. You've been a leader on gun control, gun safety issues at the Capitol. This past week, uh, big rally, obviously the Michigan State shooting. This is in the headlines weekly, if not more than once weekly. Where's Minnesota? Obviously, gun control advocates feel strongly that this is the session that they're going to have some specific laws change. What what laws do you think are likely to to be changed this year? And what are your colleagues talking about? Yeah, no, thanks. Um, so, yeah, I do work as a prosecutor outside the legislature. And so that's that's really where I'm seeing 
in the impact of gun violence in that work, and then bring it to the Capitol. So, so for a number of years, uh, I've been the author of a bill for criminal background checks, and um, and then past author of a bill that's now being carried by a colleague, Representative Cedric Frazier, for um, for red flag laws, extremist protection orders, and both of these are about doing more to keep guns out of the hands of dangerous people, uh, people who've shown themselves to be dangerous. Uh, I could give more details on those on those proposals, um, but uh, but I think that. Um, those are ones that uh, that have been pushed in past years, advanced by the DFL House, um, previously blocked by the Republican Senate. And uh, and I think that they um, have a good chance of passage. There's a couple other bills as well uh, relating to reporting of lost or stolen guns, safe storage of guns. Um, but really, all these bills are all about trying to have somebody who is uh, dangerous, making sure that they've got less access to guns. Uh, and the prospects are obviously a lot better with uh, with a DFL controlled Senate and the support of the governor. So specifically on those rules, yeah. uh, you know, like the red flag, uh, somebody who's you know, red mental health challenges, things like that. Uh, other states that have those, what kind of success have they had? Where does the intersection of, you know, somebody's personal rights and then, you know, somebody reporting them and how does that work? I think that's one of the questions people always come to. And and so often it becomes this battle between the Second Amendment and and things like that. But there's a there's a pragmatism to this in my mind. Yeah, well, then there, it's, I, I, there's uh, there's not a tension. I don't think there needs to be at all with the Second Amendment. I mean, the court, the Supreme Court rulings regarding that have said that states absolutely have the ability to regulate, um, you know, uh, who can have access to a gun, you know, people who are dangerous, et cetera, and and the transfer and, and handing over of guns uh, and sale of guns as well. Um, so regarding the red flag laws, you know, if a family member or law enforcement gets information that has information that somebody is a danger to themselves or others, they can go to a court, provide that specific information information, have a review and have a court say, hey, for some temporary period of time, this person should not have access to 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 uh, to a firearm. Uh, criminal background checks, we have them on many uh, gun sales and the idea is to have them on, on all gun sales. If somebody's uh, dangerous, then uh, then you know, somebody shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be handing a gun over to them. Um, and in really what we're talking about uh, is laws in both cases, as you're asking about, that are in use in other other states. Um, and in those states, they are keeping their residents uh, safer. There's a lot of statistics showing lower rates of homicide with guns, lower rates of domestic violence, homicides with guns, um, lower rates of gun suicides. Um, and so uh, these are laws that are working very well. And uh, this is why they've got a lot of support, a lot of law enforcement support. I should note, like on background checks, the police chiefs, the sheriffs, the county attorneys and the police union in support of, of that bill. You know, red flag laws were adopted by Florida, not a not a blue state um, after the Parkland shooting. They're working really well. Uh, Florida sheriffs really supportive uh, of them. Uh, and so these laws are making difference other places. There's no reason we shouldn't have them in Minnesota. Just to drill down one more. Yeah, please. Um, is there research out there? And sorry if I haven't dug it up, but about kind of these mass shooters, mental health, and these are the incidents that maybe have the best chance of, of being prevented in the future because oftentimes there is mental health issue and maybe a family member is concerned but can't do anything about it or hasn't felt empowered to do anything about it? One thing I think we want to be careful about is 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 linking. So, uh, you know, there may be people who use guns dangerously of mental health issues. There's obviously many, many people with mental health issues not using guns dangerously. Right. Yeah. Um, right? We got we got that, of course. Um, and, you know, no one 
approach is going to solve uh, every incident of gun violence. We know that. So basic answer is that, yes, there certainly are circumstances and, and incidents where having a red flag law in place, uh, we've got good reason to think that that um, could have, would have stopped uh, a shooting. And background checks too. We know that there's, you know, um, uh, there's actually been millions of sales to uh, to dangerous felons that have been blocked through background checks uh, on the ones that we have on dealer sales, and so we want to make sure they're expanded. Um, so, uh, so, so no one thing, no one uh, method is going to stop uh, every incident. Um, and so, but yeah, I think we can say that uh, there are circumstances where somebody who is, yeah, maybe they're going through some kind of mental health situation where in fact, that particular situation does make them particularly dangerous. And keeping them away from guns is going to be something that's going to make them and the rest of us safer for, for a period of time. Yeah, no, I think that's there. My guest is Dave Pinto. He's a state rep. He's also a prosecutor. He's been one of the leading voices on gun legislation over the past few years. Representative Pinto, um, you and I have known each other for a long time. We've, we've, we, if we ran into each other now, we'd have a conversation about things that I think people are talking about. You're from St. Paul. Um, last week, a tragic issue with a stabbing at Harding High School that ended up in death. And, and you know, it's driven by news, but, but we cannot ignore kind of youth violence and, and, and where our kids are right now. What are you hearing, seeing as a prosecutor? What are you hearing, seeing from your, from your district? And, and what initiatives at the legislature could be, you know, enacted that would really address youth? And I say yeah. that because, look, I have a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old in a, you know, first-ring suburb school. And it's not just the core cities that are experiencing, you know, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds with guns. Um, and, uh and so just from, I, I think, through the lens of both a prosecutor, a parent, and a legislator, what, where do you see opportunities this session? Yeah, and, and, and listen, I've got kids uh, very similar ages to yours. Uh, and um, yeah, it's a real, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary out there. I, I guess I'll note, first of all, that we know that uh, our young people went through, um, a, a particularly through a lot of the pandemic, and we're just, there's a real crisis in mental health um, issues among young people, really in general, our society, but specifically young people. So there's a real concern. Um, we've got, uh, you know, easy availability to guns uh, that are able to change hands in some, you know, really dangerous ways. We talked about that a couple minutes ago. Um, you know, uh, when you've got young people, immature brains, developing brains, and you've got something that has, uh, that, can, that can kill um you know, in the way that a gun can, this makes things very, very dangerous. Um, so just in terms of kind of, you know, where we're at as a society and what we're putting our young people through, then we just need to recognize some of those factors. Um, you asked in the course of your question about some of the proposals going forward at the legislature, and there's actually quite a lot, um, you know, you and I were talking before coming on about yeah. just, just the, the pace. There's so much happening at the legislature. So even trying to try to keep track of all the different proposals is challenging. I was kind of trying to pull things together. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, uh, there's bills for uh, community violence interruption uh, funding to say you know, what let's let's get young people let's get our communities on a better path um, youth intervention programming um, in particular uh, there's um, there's even I know there's been an issue raised about carjackings that's being a real concern we've got a, a bill moving um, uh, to be collecting uh, data in a much better way including the age of the offender. 
um, that that helps uh, in a number of ways. Um, there's a lot, and then actually, there's actually um, a number of proposals from the administration directed at uh, at youth crime, which I can kind of go through. But I'll just say um, this is a this is a real concern. We want to make sure that our young people are safe and are able to develop and grow. In addition to my work as a prosecutor, I'm the chair of the committee on children and families, finance and policy, and so um, this is an intersection of an area that I certainly care a lot about. I I think that that's one of the pieces of um, kind of curiosity, I, I would say, yeah. of, of the session is there are proposals um, and they're just there doesn't seem to be a, a, an urgency. And that's just my reflection and, and, and kind of the way I felt. Are you am I not seeing it? Am I not sensing it? What what you know, when you think about let's think about the, the young person who's maybe. 14, 15, 16, maybe, you know, maybe they've been in and out, but they haven't committed a felony, quote unquote, or what would be considered a felony. Maybe they haven't killed somebody or shot somebody, but they've been caught with a gun or things like that. How do we, you know, kind of fast track or intensify the attention to get them off that path or, or less disruptive to their community or their school or something like that. And, and I, I say this as, I don't have the answers. I'm just trying yeah. to understand this um, because when you and I were young, um, we grew up in neighboring school districts. When there was a troublemaker, and I might have been one in junior high and elementary school, you know, there was a school counselor who sat me down and said, "Get your crap together, otherwise, you know, this isn't going to go well." And 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 you think about the issues we're dealing with now are are far more intense and and amplified than those, and so. It's the urgency and I think the practicality. Yeah. How would people envision these things working? Yeah, well, I mean, it's actually interesting, you know, school counselors, because actually since you and I were in school, right. uh, our ratio of school counselors is, and I think we've got one of the lowest rates of school counselors in the country. I think maybe Mississippi's 50th and we're 49th or something like that. So just actually thinking even about that point, um, you know, I don't know my kid's school that the counselors, uh, I think they've got like, you know, 450, 500 kids or something apiece. So, which I think is, was different than we were in school. So even just that piece alone, you mentioning that, um, you know, we've got pressures on kids and then pressures on those who are supporting kids. Um, you know, I think, uh, I guess I probably would disagree with you in terms of, I can understand why in the outside, it doesn't look like there's as much urgency, um, but there's uh, there's so much that is moving and going on at the Capitol that I, I think that that might be a little bit misleading. Um, you know, uh, there are, as I say, a, a there's a lot of proposals moving. I mean, ultimately, it's going to be local communities um, who are engaging with their young people. They're going to know best what's going on in their community. And it's really going to be that local school, uh, that local um, county attorney, possibly, if the if the kid is um, moving in a delinquent direction, a direction doing things that they shouldn't be. Um, it's going to be county services, et cetera. And then the state then is in a role of supporting them. But there's a number of of ideas and proposals moving through to provide that support. Um, I, you know, you and I were talking er earlier about the fact that the, the, the way the budget process works and folks are aware that there's, uh, you know, we're working through right now what the two-year budget is and uh, each individual piece affects each other piece. So over this next month and a half or so, we're looking at these proposals and thinking, okay, how do they all come together? So we have a, 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 a full budget. Um, but I can say the administration, the Walls administration proposing a bunch of things in this area. Um, you know, we've been hearing a number of bills as, as well and proposals 
Um, and, and I just, I know that this is a very high priority for folks. Um, and there's a lot of priorities as well, which makes it, uh, makes it challenging to kind of see from the outside. Last question here is, uh, yeah. Lens as a prosecutor in, in understanding kind of what John Choi and Ramsey County is trying to do in this space. Um, are there tools that the legislature needs to provide them or are there resources that would help um, that maybe they, they're just they're not able to, to get into place right now? Yeah, so I, I should note, and I I'm, I actually am a prosecutor on the adult side of things. I don't prosecute yeah. juvenile cases. Right. Um, and so for kind of my own background, um, there's a proposal that the that Ramsey County Attorney's Office in Ramsey County is supporting to establish um, intensive therapeutic um, placement homes within the community for folks to have, uh, for, for young people to have kind of an option between being sent to the Red Wing Correctional Facility and you know other uh, other placement options, and I know that the that the uh, uh, office has made the argument that you know we've got this challenge that judges uh, you know uh, want to have some kind of intervention for for a young person, and it is the case that there are not nearly enough places to have kids be to be um, uh, to receive that that kind of intervention and whatever services they may need. So that's something that uh, that, uh, that that the office is uh, is is pushing for Ramsey County that could potentially be a state state model. I want to note that you know with everything with young people, we're trying to balance uh, and with really everything the criminal justice system, trying to balance uh, safety in all kinds of different ways. Um, and and with young people, we want to make sure that we're getting them on the on the right path um, and doing so in a way that uh, um, that uplifts them and that uh, it doesn't uh, you know put them on a path. Uh, towards actually, um, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, more criminalized or uh, uh, putting them on the bad path. So it's a, it's a balancing act. In any case, yeah, a bunch of things. Well, uh, Representative Pinto, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. I know we'll talk more uh, down the line. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. When we come back, the take of the week, what's on our minds and what's coming next week in Minnesota. This week's take is twofold. One local, very local, and two, federal and about 2024. First, the local. This week, when I looked to see how many press releases, how many news releases, how many news advisories had been written about school violence, school safety, or youth violence, I was shocked, disappointed as I searched my inbox and found none. None from Republicans, none from Democrats. But yet, I have over 50 on legalizing cannabis. I have dozens on safe and sick leave. That doesn't mean the legislature is not working on it, as we heard from our legislators. It just means it doesn't seem to be the issue they want to amplify. But yet, wherever I go, the grocery store, the ice rink, amongst colleagues, they bring it up. What are we going to do? The same goes for school shootings. We keep talking but we don't seem to be stopping the issue. And so urgency and the patience to deal with legislative inaction or process, I think continues to leave people reading headlines and being frustrated. And the data is true on the federal level as well. And it's all about 2024. I know it's only February of 2023, but Nikki Haley jumped into the race this week. Mike Pence came to Minnesota. And Dean Phillips said that quietly discussions amongst Democrats are that 
nobody's quite comfortable with the idea that Joe Biden is the nominee in 2024. We shouldn't be shocked by that. The polls have shown on both the Republican side and the Democratic side that the polls, the masses want different candidates. They don't want Donald Trump. They don't want Joe Biden to be their nominee. But our tribe says we must support the nominee. And as we talked to Ken Martin about last week, the process is designed to give us the nominees we will get in 2024. So before we all get wound around the axle about 2024, hopefully we can have an open discussion about who and what the qualities of the next president should be, red or blue. And then as Dean Phillips says, they don't just happen in quiet rooms. And I'll just say they just don't happen amongst partisans and the activists. But all of us have a president and who's serving us And all of us should be invested in the discussion about what the next president should bring to the table. I'm Blaise Olson. Follow me all week on social media at Blaise Olson on Twitter. Sign up for our newsletters at fluence-newsletters.com. And a reminder, I'll be with Vanita at 620 Monday through Thursday this week. Until next time, that's the Sunday Take. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.